So the listeners who know me personally have asked me why I don't talk about business on BU. Well, the reason is because it just didn't feel right. I was following my gut, my heart, and my intuition. And now I know that the time is now. So I'm really, really happy about a decision that we made at BU. And that is to create a spinoff channel. So if you go over to bu.supercast.tech, you will discover BU in business. On that platform, I will share all things sales, marketing, team building, attraction marketing, building a business without sacrificing your integrity, your values, your energy, and yourself. I did it the wrong way for a lot of years. I was the queen of hustle and grind. And yes, I did build a very substantial business that I was proud of, but it came at a huge cost. And a lot of women are out there building businesses, sacrificing themselves. I'm excited to share with you what I learned and the evidence I have to prove that that new way of building business as myself, the real version of myself, without being cookie cutter, without sacrificing what really made sense to me in my heart, how that brought me more growth and more income than I had ever made with so much less effort. I've lived through both the before and the after, and I'm excited to teach you everything that I figured out the hard way. I will save you years and years of mistakes and painful lessons. And I realize that now is the time to do that. I'm truly, truly, truly all in with this. And I can't wait to get into that with you and go as deep as you want to go. You'll be able to interact with me. You'll be able to make suggestions about episodes, ask me questions. And I think you're going to be very refreshed by what you see over there. It's not what you're seeing everywhere on social media and in other programs. I'm going to be so real and raw and honest with you. And my greatest joy is going to be empowering women to be hugely successful without feeling drained, without feeling that relationships are strained, and without feeling like there's nothing left for you. There's a better way to build. And I'm going to show you how. So meet me over on Supercast and we'll get started together. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey there, I'm so glad you're here with me. If you clicked on this link and you decided to subscribe, that means you're already one of our really loyal BU listeners. And I feel like I already know you well. And I think you know more about me than some of my closest friends. So I'm really, really grateful and looking forward to our time together right now. I I want you to know that I have no idea how long this episode is going to be. This is just going to be guided by something bigger than me. And it's going to be exactly what it's supposed to be. 
There'll be no editing. I I really don't do much editing anyway. On the episodes you're used to listening to, I sometimes will get interrupted or there'll be a train over my apartment or I'll stumble over my words or laugh at myself or sneeze and they take that out. But it's, it's usually pretty much just sort of stream of consciousness and with a couple of bullet points. So I guess that's not stream of consciousness, but this is going to be just free flow. And I'm picturing you sitting right across from me, you know, either with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, glass of wine. And you asked me to chat with you about divorce, not because I'm an expert, you know, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist, I have no educational background in psychology whatsoever, but you asked me based on other episodes you've listened to, based on my years in personal development, based on my own experience of being a child of divorce, and then going through a divorce, being married to someone who also went through a divorce, someone who's done a lot of inner work, as they call it, to heal trauma as I'm continuing, by the way, to do that every day. And I'm trusting that you're asking because you feel that whatever I say isn't necessarily right, but that you are on the same vibe with me, right? So that whatever I say will probably line up with what you would need to hear. And so I say that, you know, really with respect to you that I don't want to come across as an expert or that I know all the answers because I certainly don't. If you were sitting here, I'm sure I'd ask you a lot of questions and I'll ask you to, you know, hold a microphone up to your mouth and share some things with me. But I, I don't take for granted the fact that you have actually subscribed to this and I want this to be content. My intention is that it will be transformational, that it will be impactful inspiring, educational, and challenging. And I invite you to take everything I say, like with anything you hear out in the world from anyone, and see how it feels and how it fits. And if it doesn't feel good to you in your heart, I'm not talking about when it lands on your ego and you reject it to avoid, but or if it's a trigger, but if it doesn't just doesn't resonate with you, anything I say, then reject it. I, I encourage you to do that. You know, I I love that we're all learning from each other. I don't think anyone should think of anyone really as a guru or even like a master coach. I don't even like that title. So I'm going to share from a place of vulnerability, transparency, honesty, truth, certainly not trying to look good and also not doing what I did for many years, which is self-deprecation so that I can, you know, be likable. You know, I'm just going to share some things that have come to me when I think about what I want you to hear me say about divorce. So when it comes to divorce, and I'm not going to come through the perspective of a child, I'll give you my story as a child, but I you know, think there's so many experts that would do a better job of talking to you about how this affects children. But, but as adults, you know, I think probably the most important point I'd like to share with you, as you've been on this journey with me and BU, you know that we talk about the impact that trauma has on us. And remember, I'm going to keep saying it over and over again, but trauma is different for every individual. You can have eight kids who go through the same, you know, upbringing, same family, same parents, et cetera, and they're all going to have a different experience. And some will feel that something was traumatic and others won't even remember that or they would laugh at that. What do you mean traumatic? That was nothing. You know, and when it comes to divorce, every person sees it differently and feels it differently and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there are some universal truths that I'll share today. And I'm also going to intentionally not share things that I feel like you're going to see anywhere. You know, this is coming through my lens, which means, as I said, it doesn't mean it's correct, but it's a hundred percent my truth. So try it on and see what you think. So when it comes to divorce, you know, I think as we've talked about in the podcast, when it comes to trauma, as I said a minute ago, divorce is no different. Right. When we looked at, we've talked about trauma so many times and we'll keep talking about it because it's so important. I mean, adults are walking around in a trauma response and a trauma body and they, we, you, and I, we don't even know it. And then we look at divorce and we think somehow that doesn't play into that. You know, divorce is like a different conversation. Well, nothing's a different conversation. I believe that every single experience is coming through the lens that was created by our experience when we were children and the meaning that we added to that experience. You know, the fears, the, the self that we create 
because of those experiences that we think the world needs to see. And then we walk around as that self. And then one day we decide we're going to start on personal development, realize that, and we realize that wasn't even us. Yeah, that conversation. So I really believe that when we look at divorce, we are looking at even the word divorce through all of those lenses. So you clicked on this and wanted to listen to this for a reason. Right. If you're triggered by divorce, you probably did not want to listen to this episode. So I'm assuming that most of you listening either are fascinated by the topic. You have friends who have divorced and you just don't get it. Perhaps you judge others for divorce and you want to get rid of that. Um, perhaps you're just curious, you know, cause you know, I've been divorced. Maybe she'll talk about her divorce. You know, what's it really like to go through one? Cause you're afraid to ask your friends because then they'll think you want a divorce. And many of you listening, I truly believe would like to divorce and you're afraid. You're afraid to be alone. You're afraid that you won't find love again. Perhaps you're afraid that you will turn around and just repeat the same relationship again. Perhaps you're afraid of the judgment, opinions, and criticism of the entire world (laughs) as it feels. Your friends, your family, just Sally next door. Perhaps you're afraid that even though you want to let go of this person and you feel it's the best decision, you're afraid to see them find love again. There's that codependency that's, that's creeping up, that possessiveness. You know, you, you also might be afraid of missing out on what you could have had if you possibly could have made it work in the marriage. And some of those will not resonate with some of you, but those who feel those are like, oh God. That's exactly what I'm afraid of. So you may not be thinking about the judgment of others, but you're really thinking, yeah, but if I leave, what if this person actually does change or do whatever and the relationship becomes what I always wanted it to be and then I miss out on that? What if that person finds love and they have the relationship with them that I wanted with them and I don't want someone else to love them and You know, and what if the judgment isn't just an eye roll, but I lose friends and I lose his entire family or her entire family? And what if I say I'm not afraid to be alone, but I actually am? What if once I'm divorced and I'm alone, then I have to face all the things that I was avoiding in the marriage? Oh, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's another part of the conversation I'd love to dip into that sometimes people choose divorce because they are avoiding growth. I'm not judging those who divorced. Hello, I, I volunteered for it and I'm actually glad I did. And I do know that a lot of people are using that as a way to sort of deflect from what's really behind the scenes. Like, don't look behind the curtain. I'm just going to divorce. Quote, I can't take this anymore. They're never going to change. It's never going to get better while not looking in the mirror. So, Going back to trauma and the lenses that we have, you know, however you and I are seeing the world is however we're seeing ourselves, right? So that means that however we see divorce and however we see our relationship before divorce and after divorce is through the same lens. And it could be very confusing because you might say, well, then how the fuck do I know if I need to get a divorce? Good question. (laughs) We can go into that too. But how you look at those who have chosen divorce, how you look at just the word divorce and what that means to you, how you look at yourself for wanting a divorce, for being curious about it, for having someone else tell you they want a divorce, for divorcing you, all of that is through a false lens. So even if you have been in the personal development space and you're really unlocking and unleashing and discovering and excavating and really working hard to love yourself, that lens is still there. The prescription will be different based upon where you are in that journey. But the lens is still there. So I just say to you, friends, be careful. Be careful what you say about divorce, what you say about those who divorce, what you say about yourself for thinking of divorce or being afraid of divorce, all of it. Just be careful. Because remember, they may not really be your thoughts. Because your truest real self, you know, we talk all the time about 
this whole concept of becoming the real us, that real you is your highest self. And your highest self looks at the word, the action, the request, the follow through of divorce, the process of it, all of it through the lens of non-judgment, just love. That's it. Your truest, highest self. There's no judgment whatsoever. It is just what it is. Now, things can be true. Hearts can be broken. Well, I'm not going to say that that's true because I don't think hearts really break. But, you know, you can feel, quote unquote, brokenhearted. There can be pain and there probably will be. You actually can see trauma go into your children because of the choice of divorce. All that's true. But that doesn't make divorce bad and wrong. At the same time, right, many times people will make a decision that is not a healthy, highest self-focused decision and choose divorce for reasons that are not healthy, but that still doesn't make divorce in and of itself wrong. The interesting thing to share with you, and I'm not proud of this, but the truth is I was one of the most judgmental people you would ever meet when it comes to a lot of things, but especially like morals. You know, I was just so judgy about people who chose divorce. Now, where did that come from? Well, I can tell you my story of growing up, right? But but let's just for right now in this part of the episode, just say that I was judgmental. All judgment comes from fear, right? There's only fear and love. Judgment doesn't live in love. It doesn't just not grow there. It doesn't, doesn't reside there. So my judgment, of course, was all fear. Fear, 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 fear. And I remember saying to my children, literally saying to them, I actually remember, I'm closing my eyes right now, and I remember where I was standing when I stood by my kids' bedrooms and said, you will never have to worry about that. We will never be those people. Don't you worry. We will never divorce. I wasn't happy in my marriage. I was going through a lot of pain and uncertainty in my marriage, but I still said that to them. Well, partially because I lived a life of living for everyone else, right? But also because I really believed it was wrong. And I believed it was one of the most damaging things a parent could choose. So I told my children to never fear it would never happen, having no idea that one day I would I would choose divorce. Not not my husband, I. I would say this is happening. There's no conversation. You need to leave and never look back. So I was the person who was telling my children and others how wrong it was to divorce. And now you hear me saying that there is no right or wrong when it comes to divorce. And for me, that came through all of the process of becoming and and loving and accepting myself, feeling safe in my own body and not feeling the need to judge or have an opinion about anything anyone else is doing, really. I fall away from that regularly, by the way. I want to admit that. So as I'm starting this discussion with you, just know that the lens I'm speaking to you through definitely is not completely pure. It can't be, right? I'm human. But it's in a place now that does not hold any type of right or wrong or judgment. While I will still say there are consequences of divorce, there will be pain. It will shift you and your children forever. It may not be the best choice, but I still don't think it's wrong, right? What you think of it is what you think of yourself. So as you're listening, even if you're not there yet on your journey, try your best to just open your heart and receive this message, knowing that it's a loving message with no judgment of you or anyone else. And that way, when you think about and process this information while I'm talking and after it's over, you won't have anything attached to it except acceptance and love of the message, right? You can't just get rid of all of your weeds in your garden today because you say so, right? So so let's talk about it. So my experience being a child of divorce, I would say I'm a child of a traumatic divorce. And I would also say, I don't really know that divorce can be without any trauma whatsoever. I'm sure there are situations where it could be, but it's a shock to the system. You know, it's the sharpest left turn 
you know, when you are married to someone and especially for the kids, but let's just talk about my experience. Why was it traumatic? It wasn't like what you see in the movies where the parents are screaming, yelling and fighting over the child and, you know, yanking them back and forth. What was traumatic for me is that nobody told me it was coming. And then once it happened, nobody talked about it. Not a word. It was never mentioned. How fucked up is that? I don't judge my parents though. Where they were in their life, of course they did it that way. They didn't know how to do it any different. And I love them for it and it's okay. And it was awful. I remember, so my parents fought constantly my entire life. Extremely traumatic, very volatile arguments. Every single night when I prayed myself to sleep, I never prayed for myself or for things that most kids pray for. You know, I prayed for, you know, the kids who are starving in Africa. And I prayed that my mom would finally be happy and my parents would stop fighting um, every night. And it was mostly, I just want my mom to be happy because she cried all the time. She was carrying a lot of trauma from childhood and I thought it was just the marriage. I know now and you know now, right, that the marriage can be a Petri dish for all of this stuff that you carry into the marriage, but the marriage is not necessarily the problem. So as a child, I remember being on the phone. Actually, I... I didn't realize that my friend's mom was on the phone with my mom. And I was in elementary school at this time. I think beginning of my sixth grade year. And I picked up the phone to call my mom. Those of you who are younger listeners, we have a lot of younger listeners. We used to use rotary phones, no cell phones, okay? (laughs) So there's actually a landline. And I picked up the phone to call and I heard people talking and I listened. And my mom was on the phone with my friend's mom. And she said, I filed. Now, how would a 12-year-old know what it means to file, as in file for divorce? Well, I knew it because on one hand, if you are a child, an adult who is walking around in your trauma body, you know, like you've experienced a lot of trauma, you're always on high high alert and hyper alert. So part of that is always searching for what's going to happen and what's wrong. And so I never missed a trick. I remembered when my parents were arguing, they would threaten to file. And I knew what they meant without them explaining it to me since I was in first grade, that file meant divorce, file for divorce, meaning your parents won't be married anymore. So I heard my mom say, I filed. And I was like, what? What? And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to hear about this when I go home. Nothing. Nothing was ever said. I didn't say anything to my brothers who were three and a half years older and 10 years older. And I just stuck it away and pretended I didn't hear it and didn't tell anyone. And about, maybe about a week later, my mom took me to a lake with her friend and her daughter. And my mom introduced me to her new friend. And he had this beautiful big lake home. We call them lake cottages where I live. And my intuition immediately knew this is not just a friend and I do not like him. The next conversation about the divorce wasn't even a conversation. I was down in our, we lived in a tri-level. Down in the the 70s, those were very popular, a tri-level home. And I was in the living room, family room, sitting on the shag carpet, petting my dog. And I watched my dad walk down the stairs holding a suitcase. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, I have to go, Jilly Bean. I don't want to go, but I have to, and I'm so sorry. And I stood up and we held each other for what felt like an hour. And I said, please don't go. And he said, I have to. And he walked out the door. There was never a conversation. Uh, My mom never said a word about it. My brothers and I never spoke of it. And some of it is foggy because that's trauma, right? That's what will happen. I do remember that about a week later, my brother left and I saw that my dad was picking him up and I said, where are you going? I'm going to see dad. And I said, well, why can't I go? And he said, well, dad thinks you won't want to see where he's living. Just go play with Amy. It'll be fine. My dad, we didn't have much money at all. My dad was staying in a really rundown like motel. I think it was like Motel 6 or something like that. Not a hotel, but a motel. 
And they didn't want me to see that. Now, I would have gone if they had invited me. So I didn't see my dad for weeks. And on the weekends, my brother would go and I would not get to go. I also remember at some point, my mom invited me to go out to dinner with her friend. And at the end of the dinner, we are at a fancy restaurant. He ordered a cake. And I said, why do we have a cake? And he said, well, we're celebrating. And I said, what, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating your parents' divorce. It's final today. Now, the adult me would say, fuck me and fuck you. <laughs> I just, I couldn't even, I didn't even, I just froze. I told them I wasn't hungry and they ate the cake and clinked their glasses celebrating the divorce. So now you understand why divorce for me was traumatic. So here I go on to marry and I decide that divorce is wrong. And then sprinkle into that, I had become a devout Christian. I mean, you're a Christian or you're not, right? But I was like the holy roller, you know, I was judging everybody. I was the person who would go to a restaurant on a Sunday and look around and if people weren't dressed up, they were bad people. I mean, I really felt that way. I'm so ashamed now that I felt that way, but that's the truth. Totally indoctrinated. And also not understanding the Jesus, the teachings of Jesus because that is not what Jesus was about. Hello. But that's what I learned from, from Christians I was hanging out with. So that's why when I was married and discovered just about eight weeks before my first child was born that my husband was not just an alcoholic, but was hiding some other things from me. And it was just, there was a lot of pain there. How I was married for 18 years before deciding to leave. Definitely a lot of it is, you know, the trauma from my childhood, me not even understanding that I was walking around traumatized, you know, me attempting to feel safe by controlling. And when you want to control everything, you don't change things. You know, there's a lot that went into me staying divorced. I truly also bought into the fairy tale. I bought into the idea that I was going to have a happy marriage. And I loved that. I loved the idea that I would never be divorced. It just felt really good to me because my ex-husband um, was was kind, right? And we laughed together and had fun together and we really were really good friends. That was fine with me. That's all. I didn't need anything else. I didn't need passion. I didn't need an amazing sex life. I didn't need um, financial security. I didn't need him to be, you know, a great provider and a protector and driven. And, you know, now those are all things that I deserved. But at that time in my life, I decided I didn't need those things. Because remember, I put everyone else ahead of myself and I didn't love myself to even have a conversation about wanting those things, let alone feeling I deserved them. So I settled and I settled into something that I really thought wasn't too bad. Okay, so he drinks too much. It's not that bad. He doesn't get mean. He doesn't throw up. He doesn't, you know, mostly does it when I don't even know it. And it's, it's fine. It's fine. Why am I sharing all this? I'm sharing it because you have a friend in that position or maybe it's you. Maybe it's not drinking. Maybe it's something else. But you're in a relationship where you haven't healed enough to even understand. And I am going to say understand. Understand that you deserve more. Not perfection, but just more. That you deserve passion. You deserve trust. You deserve stability. You deserve all those things. But if you don't have those things in yourself... And you don't love yourself and know that about yourself and feel safe with yourself. You certainly won't attract a person that brings that into the relationship. And you definitely won't ask for it in the relationship. What you'll probably do is what I did for years. And I think so many people do this is you complain about not having it while not really looking at why it's not there. You either point the finger at the person and make them bad and wrong or you look at yourself and think, okay, if I just try harder, if I just love them more. So anyway, I was the person who said I would never divorce. And I remember telling my children that, et cetera. And I said that in response to them finding out that one of their friend's parents were getting a divorce. Don't worry. Don't worry. That will never be us. 
don't you worry. You just put your head on that pillow and know that we are better than them. You can be secure in that. (laughs) That's essentially what I was saying. It's so bad. It's not bad, actually. It's appropriate for where I was in my life. So did I think I would divorce? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that to look good, to sound good. I'm not saying that because I'm in denial. I really knew for sure I would never divorce. I was certain of it. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm so miserable. I wish I could divorce. I settled into mediocrity. I was fine with it. I had secret desires of I wish it were more, but again, I didn't understand that I could have more. So I just let it go at that. So how in the heck did I decide after 18 years to divorce? Here's what's interesting. As his drinking and our financial stress was coming to a head, I still did not consider that I would ever leave, ever not just because of buying into the fairy tale, as I said, not just because I didn't realize I deserved more that I even knew that I wanted more. I think I also, if I'm really honest as I'm sitting here, because I judged others so harshly, I didn't ever want to be the person judged. It's like I didn't feel that he was carrying his own weight and I felt like I was married to a child, yet I was still acting like a child. So if I divorce, how am I going to survive? Even though I had this hugely successful business and I could have financially survived, it was not just that. It was just being alone. I think that really did scare me, even though at the time I had no idea. So I met a customer of mine for coffee. It was a man. And I didn't know him at all other than through email. He had been my customer for, I think, three years. And he wanted to talk to me about possibly partnering with me in the business and having a conversation. And so we decided to meet for coffee. And he was a trauma therapist. And as we were talking, I don't know how it came up, but we talked about relationships. And I said something about, I mean, I'll just always be where I am and it's okay. Like, I think it'll get better. And he looked at me and he said, now, when I say this, I want you to know, I'm not saying this to you because I want you to be jarred into, oh, yeah. I'm going to go file for divorce. I'm going to be very careful with these words. But for me, that's what happened. He was a messenger for me. Now, some people will say he was a messenger of Satan, right? God would never tell you to get a divorce. I bought into that, by the way, and had so much shame over choosing divorce because of that old programming and people actually saying that to me. But I know now for sure, 100%, he was a teacher and a messenger from God. Not because God likes divorce, but because the God I believe in wants us to choose and love ourselves and knew that if I didn't do that, it would be very damaging to me and my children down the line. Also knowing that creator knew that the addiction struggles of my husband were going to get much, much worse. So I was in that conversation and he looked at me and he said, I will never forget this. I I can feel where I was. I remember what I was wearing. I had a bright yellow blouse on, dark jeans, turquoise earrings. It was really, really warm outside. It was August. And he said to me, well, what if that's not true? What if it doesn't have to be that way? What if it gets to be different? And it was like my whole self broke open. And I just looked at him. And I said, what? He said, you heard me. And that's all he needed to say. We went up talking about other things and I got up from the table, got in my car and let my husband know that I wouldn't be home for a little while. I went to a chocolate shop and picked out whatever I wanted and ate it. I went window shopping. I drove around. I stopped in a parking lot, I took a deep breath, and I let out the biggest cry. And I had cried a lot of tears in my life, the biggest cry. And those tears washed over me in such a beautiful, warm, loving way. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm so sad, I'm letting it out. It was, my tears were saying, you are free, you are free. And it's okay. We got you. I truly feel that my angels were speaking to me in that moment. 
So this person who used to judge divorce and those who divorce, who was so afraid of that, who so wanted the stability of a long forever marriage, who had already told her children that they would never experience divorce, who really wasn't that miserable, honestly, that person went home and the next day said to her husband, I need you to sit down. What I'm about to say is going to be shocking. You won't believe it at first, but I want you to know, first of all, that I've already made up my mind. A switch was flipped and there's no going back. And I know we've had a lot of struggles and I know you're really, really struggling with drinking, etc. And I want you to know that we're getting a divorce. And the shock in his eyes and on his face is something I will never forget. And it pains me because I saw how much I hurt him. We talked longer and he looked at me and sort of pled his case about how it was going to be better and this time he was going to get sober and this time this and this time that. And But my God, Jill, don't divorce me. I mean, let's separate or let, don't divorce me, please. And he was asking me and almost begging. And I'm telling you, I agreed to a separation, but I knew it was a divorce. I knew it. And maybe this is the Scorpio in me. Maybe this is just years of trauma and years of putting everyone ahead of myself. But I looked at him and I said, and I I need you to go stay at your mom's house because she had an empty home that was available five minutes away. I need you to go there like by Monday. And I did not waver on that. Now, if some of you want to make me the bad guy in this movie, go ahead. It's okay. My ego wants to defend myself and tell you all the pain that I endured uh, with him. But just know that it was a very appropriate response in my book. And when he moved out, I didn't fear being alone, judgment. Will he find love again? What if we could could make our marriage work? I felt none of that. When he left, that I opened up all the windows and I felt like that stale energy of all the broken promises, all of the tears, all of the emotional abandonment. I felt it all leave. And I wanted to just dance around the house. My guilt wasn't for that. My guilt was, I don't want my kids to know that I'm so happy about this because they don't understand. And the interesting thing is your children see and feel and observe way more than you and I realize. They were in heaven or on the other side, whatever feels good to you to say, much more recently than you and I were. So they're much more in tune. They are more intuitive. They're more sensitive to energy. They can read a room better and faster than us. And they usually already know ahead of time, right? But I told them we were divorcing, but they were, we were going to separate for a while first. Actually, that's not true. I'm remembering correctly now. I betrayed myself in that conversation. I'm remembering as I'm telling you. I betrayed myself there for them because I wanted to put some bubble wrap around them. And I knew we were divorcing, but I told my husband and them that we would just separate for now. Now, I don't want to get into, as I said, the whole discussion of what this quote unquote does to kids. I just think there's so many experts out there who you can look to, but I do want to share my own experience. I believe that this was the absolute best decision for my children. And I don't say that because my ego wants you to think that. I know that it was the best decision. And I can also say that it hurt them, that it caused trauma. You know, it fascinates me when people think about, like when you look at politics, whatever side they're on, whatever candidate they're backing, they're all in no matter what. Like they can't say anything real. Like I'm voting for them, I think they're the best, but most people can't do that. I love actually doing that and trying my best to be neutral. So in this situation, that's what I'm doing. I'm telling you that I'm certain divorce was the right decision. And I'm admitting that there was damage. I'm admitting that there's some wreckage. I'm admitting that there was trauma. I'm honest about the fact that there was pain that my kids experienced. Just the embarrassment of telling their friends 
the inconvenience of going back and forth between houses. You know, the fear that they had of what will happen now. My whole foundation just broke apart. I also believe that they already knew their foundation was shattered and that I just kept walking around trying to fill in the cracks with glue day after day after day. And they knew that at some point I would get tired. And that's what happened. So in that conversation, telling my children that we were getting a divorce, I asked my husband to do it with me. And I really appreciate the fact that he didn't make me the bad guy, even though he knew I was the one who wanted the divorce and he didn't. We sat together as a unified front and we told them separately. And when we got to George, my youngest, gosh, I wish I could tell you I know how old he was at the time, but he was little, maybe eight. And as we were saying the words, the sounds that came out of him were like out of a wounded animal. It was this deep, primal cry. His biggest fear came true. He said, not divorce. Don't get in divorce. And as we tried to explain, he popped up from the couch and he ran over to the bathroom and he slammed the door. We could hear him kicking the washer and the dryer, slamming the toilet seat, punching the walls and screaming and crying in pain. That's the part of divorce that no one talks about. And it's very real. And I share that to be transparent, but I also share that because there are people who will choose divorce, as I said, because they are avoiding their own shit. After you've, you've healed, you've discovered what trauma you even have and you've healed it and you've learned to love yourself and you've looked at the stories and the lenses you're looking through and you stop blaming other people and holding other people responsible for your happiness and you learn to feel safe in yourself and love yourself, my wish, my hope is that after that is when you look at your relationship and say, okay, should we stay together? I think the majority of people are not doing that. I don't think they know any better. That's why I'm excited about the work I'm doing that I'm committing to doing through this podcast and that I believe in the future I'll be doing through coaching programs. I feel responsible to share that. Because remember, the choice of divorce will be a direct reflection of your self-worth, self-love, or lack thereof, and your healing. So after you've done that, you'll have a very clear view of the choice of divorce. And it will be much less painful for you and your children, by the way. So after that, I definitely will admit that I played the game of we're just separated. I knew we were getting a divorce, but I played that game and I wanted to do it right. Good girl, right? I made sure that my, my husband came over on Sundays and we had meals together. I made sure that he celebrated holidays with us. We stayed separated for, I don't know, a year before I felt comfortable actually divorcing. I knew it was over, but for my kids and I think for him, I was prolonging it. I was prolonging everyone's karma and everyone's, I was prolonging everyone's experience and putting bubble wrap around everyone but myself. I would do it differently now, but that's how I did it. I know I caused confusion with the kids because they would see my husband and I friendly and kind and as, as if everything was fine. But what I did do well, and I encourage you to do if you go through divorce, is I had a lot of conversations with them, a lot. We talked regularly about how they were feeling. You know, what are you going through? What are you, how are you feeling about this? What would you like to share? What do you need from me? They may not remember, but I made it a point to ask those questions. I chose something that many people judged and will judge, but it felt right to me at the time. And now I regret it. I chose to start dating right away. So while I was telling the kids we were just separated, and while my husband still, I think he knew we were getting a divorce, but had hope that perhaps we wouldn't, he knew that I was dating. But I got right out there 
right away. We'll do another episode, I think, on what's that that's like, especially in your 40s, to get out in the dating world after being married for almost two decades. It was so bizarre. But I realized as I look back now that I was trying so hard to heal myself and doing it in very unhealthy ways. I got into a brief, very brief relationship uh, with a man who I believe was psychologically unstable. And I realize now why I was attracted to him. And my advice, if you want it, is to go through the whole healing process of divorce before you think about going on a date. I just wanted to be happy and have fun. You know, my husband that I was married to at the time just didn't really want to go anywhere, didn't want to do much. And I was excited to just get out there and have fun and meet people. And I I definitely regret doing that as much as I did and as early as I did. And I forgive myself. So we remained separated for a while. And then I finally made it final after, by the way, having a lot of, I would say, hours and hours of conversations, seeking counsel with people who I knew were going to tell me not to divorce. Because of my guilt, I would go to my Christian friends, I went to a Christian counselor, and I knew they were all going to talk me out of divorce, and I wanted them to. But every time they would speak, I knew in my heart, nope. They're not the one laying their head on the pillow every night. They're not the one committed to this person. They're going to tell me this while they go back to their marriage. I can't do it. I won't do it. And it's really important if you're in that boat that when you seek counsel, you know, they call it seeking wise counsel, be very careful (laughs) who that's with. I think the best way to find your answers is to just ask the divine source, God, your creator. Tap into yourself. Your own body knows the answer. You know. You know the answer. Everyone else is living their life, not yours. So some people listening are wanting a divorce and afraid, as I said. Others are just numbing themselves and you know, white knuckling it and not really wanting a divorce, just avoiding divorce. And others are married to someone who will walk into the home and say one day what I said to my husband, I'm leaving you. And if you're listening to this and you have gone through that, I I hear you. And I know that that must be so painful. I want to acknowledge what that would feel like to feel the shock of someone saying it's over. I'm going to say something that does not, it's not sugar-coated. And in fact, it's not sweet at all. There's nothing about it, even if it were sugar-coated, it wouldn't feel good to some people. But I, I want to share this with you. That as humans, we always want there to be a victim and a villain. Always. But just because we do that as humans does not mean that that's what our highest self would say. Our highest self would say, God would say, that's not true. They're just people. There's no victim or villain. This isn't a Disney movie. They're just human beings. Your spiritual beings having a human experience, as you hear people say. And this is no different. There's no villain. There's no victim. If someone has chosen divorce, whether you feel blindsided or not, friend, hear me say, and I'm telling you this is going to sting. You played a part in that. You did. You're not wrong. You're not bad. You shouldn't be blamed. And if you choose to put on that cape of victim, be very careful because it will go into every part of your life. And if you choose to put on that cape of victim, my guess is that it already fits really, really well. It's pretty broken in. You've been being a victim your entire life. And I am sorry, I really am, if that hurts you to hear me say that. I'm picturing you sitting across from me and your husband, quote unquote, left you. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me, Jill? You're telling me I'm being a victim? This is my fault? No, I'm not telling you you're being a victim. I'm asking you, are you choosing to be a victim? 
And I'm also saying that it's not your fault and it's also not his or hers. Ouch. I know. But marriage is a two-way street. We create situations where our partner makes a decision to leave. And we say it's, we were blindsided, we were hurt, we were the victim. They did this to us. And they did this, quote unquote, to us in a relationship where we were a 50-50 partner. I wasn't a 50-50 partner. I barely had a voice. Everything was about him. Okay, well, then you allowed that. You enabled that. And what you enable, you invite. I'm going to share with you what your closest friends probably won't say to you while they're drying your tears and telling you what an asshole he is. Don't you worry. We'll set you up with somebody. You're going to be happy. You're going to be happier than him. And they're telling you to go to the gym. And that's what I was told, by the way. Go to the gym and, you know, get yourself in shape again and get all new underwear and do this and that. It was, it was such a distraction from what was really happening. The truth is it may have hurt badly. And it did not come from nowhere. Deep down in your heart of hearts and in your truest self, you know, you know, you know why this happened. And you may be married to somebody with, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, right? You still knew. It doesn't make it your fault. 100%, I get it. Painful, little different than having a guy that's, you know, just a little difficult to get along with, a little bit different from being in a marriage where, okay, I wasn't contributing. I made it all about the kids. I stopped having sex. I get that. There are situations, right? And by the way, this does not apply to abuse. I'm not talking about abuse in this episode. That's a different, different animal. But my point is, even if you're married to someone who, who really is an asshole, right? They act like an asshole and everybody around you says, I don't know why you married that guy. You good riddance. You still played a part in that by attracting him, by avoiding, by enabling, by playing small, by not choosing yourself. Even though that that sounds like you're being the good girl and you're the victim and the and kind of the hero in the story, it still contributed to that person walking in and shocking you with, I want a divorce. And if you're willing to look at it that way, you will heal much faster. And as we talked about a little bit ago, when we say that however you look at divorce is going through the lens of how you look at yourself and how much you have or have not healed, et cetera, same goes for when you find out that you're getting a divorce. If someone decides to divorce you, your response to that is a direct reflection of how much or how little you have healed and processed and how much or how little you know yourself, feel safe with yourself and love yourself. When you choose divorce, same thing. I had gotten to the point where I got to finally say, this is it, right? But then look what I did. I went right back into enabling. I went right back into making it about everyone else, codependency, abandoning myself, policing everything, making sure everything looked good, and then numbing by quickly going out on dates till I felt good about myself. It's because I had not even begun to heal. Now, you might challenge me and actually be a valid challenge. Well, hold on. If you had healed and done all this work, maybe you wouldn't be divorced. Actually, I would have been. I just would have been divorced a lot sooner. Because there are times when you are married to someone, if if they have addiction, it doesn't matter how much you grow. If they do not choose to walk the walk it would take to walk away from those substances, it doesn't matter. So I would have been divorced a lot sooner. And I'll tell you what, I sure as hell never would have married him. As much as I still have love for him in my heart, human to human, and great memories, I would have never dated or married that guy ever if I had loved myself. No fucking way. There's no chance in hell. I would have never dated him or married him. I probably would have been friends with him and said, hey, what a great, nice guy. That's it. You want to go on a date? Yeah, hell no. But I wasn't. I was a broken person who was hurting and so traumatized from her childhood, having no idea how to process it or that she could. And marrying him was a way to feel safe. So, oh, let's take a deep breath. (laughs) A clearing breath after a lot of that pain and 
uncomfortable stuff that for me is surfacing up as I'm talking. I don't know if you're feeling it. So if you are living in a relationship, in a marriage, and you have done that healing and worked on yourself enough to know that you you deserve better and you want better, I want to prepare you for what's to come. People will make you out to be the villain. The person who leaves is the bad guy. End of story, period. At least in my society, in my culture. You will lose friends, but those are the friends you should have lost a long time ago. You don't want those friends. You will gain new friends who you never even noticed before or who were attracted to you because that parking spot from the other friends has now been freed up. The friends that stay with you, you will have a bond stronger than ever. You will have family members who will love you through it, support you through it, and you will probably have a few, if not maybe one one or more, who will do the opposite. And that's okay. There will be gossip. People love a good story. It will be like <laughs> your divorce will be the new hot story. And it <laughs> You'll be sitting around thinking, oh man, I just hope someone else gets arrested. <laughs> so then the story flips to them, right? Can someone else get divorced? Because I'm kind of tired of the eyes being on me. You'll have a lot of gossip. You'll have people who will come to you who don't really care. They just want to know your shit. They want to know the story. They want the scoop. They'll bring you a meal and go, so whatever, what happened? Be careful who you talk to. Be very careful who you trust during this time. I would, if new friends show up, let them take you out for a drink or for coffee, but do not confide in them. Only go to your trusted circle, your very teeny tiny circle that you already had, and don't share with anyone else. I did a lot of oversharing with people who were not in my trusted circle, and I wish I hadn't. So that that absolutely will happen to some degree, with regard to friends, family, coworkers, your neighbors. How are you doing? Translated, oh my God, I heard you're getting a divorce. Tell me the scoop. You will have the opportunity to love yourself in a way you never have before. Being alone is some of the best medicine a woman can have. Time alone not in relationship with another person, but in relationship with herself. Pour into yourself and strengthen that bond with your creator. It's already strong on the other end, but on your end, open up. Open up to God, to love, to divine intervention, to the whisperings of your soul and of your angels. And you'll be guided every moment of the way. Love your soon-to-be ex from a distance, but do not take on their pain. It's their journey and their life. It's really important because you cannot heal yourself and them at the same time. Even women who didn't want the divorce sometimes will do that. Stay in your own lane. Stay on your side of the net. I understand if you have children, it makes it more complicated. Obviously, they're on, they're in your lane and they're on your side of the net, but they're not in your bubble. Be careful. You have a bubble around you for healing. They have a bubble around each of them for healing. And you can go over to them and put a third bubble around all of you, but you still get your own boundaries. You have your own healing journey and experience and so do they. If you do have children, please don't apologize for your decision. But make sure you explain it and you make sure that they know that this has nothing to do with them and that they are safe and that they are loved and that your family is not broken. It's just restructured. So thank you so much for listening to this conversation about divorce. I really hope and pray that after listening to this, you gained some tidbit from me, some word, some phrase, some feeling, some awareness that will affect you in a positive way when you're interacting with others on the topic, if you're secretly wanting a divorce and afraid to do it, if you're realizing now after this that you were going to choose divorce to avoid 
growth. If you're afraid someone else is going to ask for a divorce or they already have, wherever you are in that, I really, really hope that this time together over the last hour has blessed you. And that's coming from my heart, hopefully directly to yours. I see you. I hear you. I am you. And you are loved. You are appreciated. And you are needed. Thank you so much. Last words I'll add. Breathe. Love yourself. And surrender. Surrender.